In today's quest, you will learn why it's not a good idea to upset a barbarian horde. This is the quest for power. Welcome to the Quest for Power podcast, where we are ranking and reviewing all the monarchs in Europe from the early Middle Ages to World War I. My name is Scott, and our big brain commentator and host will be... My name is Michael. Thank you for joining us today. And big spoiler alert, I've already lied to you all. Today, we are not going to be reviewing any monarchs. Instead... We're going to discuss what this podcast series is and what we got planned for you. I understand, Michael, that you have some extra content to lay the scene for us today. So what's the story? All right. So we're just going to go through the flow of the podcast, kind of explain why we're doing it. And then we're going to talk about some barbarians and uh, their, them damaging Rome. So a little bit why we started, uh, you and I, you know, we've been hanging out for a long time, I think since middle school. And we talk oh, yeah. a lot about like history, politics, religion, like anything under the sun. I remember we had a sleepover once where there we talked about Inception until we fell asleep. Like it was insane. <laughs> well, to be fair, Inception was a very fantastic and mind bending movie for its time especially on very impressionable high schoolers. Fantastic times. Nostalgia will never be comparable to some of those times. Yeah, so I thought we could take our mindless banter because we do it way too much and turn it into a podcast. And, uh, I, well, you know, what, what podcast should we create? And uh, I was in Spain recently, and I was exploring the different palaces in my favorite city in the world, Toledo. I was looking for like an English speaking um, podcast that would help like give me the history of Spain so I could understand like what the sites I was viewing and like all of the different events here so I could actually picture what was going on as I'm walking the streets. And uh, so between and then I also so when I was looking for those podcasts, I found this podcast called the Spanish Arpada, which great name, especially with the pun. Um, which uh, they ranked the leaders of Spain, and that led me to a whole host of podca ranking podcasts. And uh, so between my love of the battle of like Game of Thrones, I really enjoyed how the plotting and the scheming and then the these ranking podcasts, it inspired me to create this like grand story that explains the real Game of Thrones of Europe and all the machinations, the plotting, the murder all the different kinds of overthrowing of governments and uh so that's that's what i was excited about for sure and i know that as a person who has never ever watched game of thrones well say for a couple episodes i have never really watched game of thrones but i hear there's like something called like a red wedding or something like that i'm sure it's lovely but it's a lot more interesting to look at a lot of this stuff in a hindsight view where we can kind of cut out the cut out the chaff, so to speak. So it'll be really cool. And hopefully you, mainly you, can bring a piece of that to some of our lovely listeners out there. Yeah, yeah. The Red Wedding is taken from several points of history that it's it's a lot often you will actually hear in our podcast of, oh, they invited people to a feast, and I think we're actually going to talk about one today that is it's going to go very, very well for everyone involved. Um, so the style of our podcast is like um, a lot of different podcasts out there where one person explains something that the other person knows nothing about. So I am a beyond history nerd. I have been researching about documents in the 500s, staying late in the night because it's just what I enjoy doing. And uh, I'm sure you just know all. I know nothing about a whole lot of things, but I've been told that's a sign of wisdom to acknowledge that you don't know anything. So 
but to call myself a history enthusiast is it's somewhere along the lines. I enjoy listening to random tidbits and stories. You can catch me listening to a lot of history from the folks like uh, Extra Credits or the folks at Overly Sarcastic Productions. If Both you give me any cast. amount of historical context with a little bit of sass, it's usually my bread and butter. So if you're wondering the kind of historical knowledge I have, you can think of all the random block points that they give between those two channels. And of course, a lot of history classes and other random tidbits that you learn throughout life. So spotty, but somewhat enthusiastic. Those, those YouTube channels are truly fantastic of learning a lot of what I would call useless knowledge. Um, so we will be focusing on our uh, useless knowledge um, on the machinations of monarchs, as well as how they acquired and held on to power. And uh, so because this, this podcast is going to be a lot about stories, I don't want it, our, our length to dictate, you know, to like make us cut a story short. Like there are some ways where I will have to cut a lot of the content out because there's just too much information or there'll be times where we need to stretch it out because there's nothing like, you know, a, a ruler is a ruler for seven days or, you know, there's just no information on them because uh, the sources are scarce. That's pretty fair. The seven-day ruler will be a, a nice one. We'll we'll be in and out of this this podcast chat lickety split. <laughs> be amazed that there's a lot more to talk about in just about a whole whopping seven days. Then there's a lot that can happen. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna break the podcast order into like different separate storylines. So we're gonna try and go in logical order. And I don't want to like try and yank you from kingdom to kingdom. So I don't want to have you like sitting in Italy and then, oh, we're going to jump to Britain unless it actually makes sense for us in the story to tell you about that. You know how like in some, again, you don't know this, but our listeners might in Game of Thrones, how they have different events happening all over the continent and then they come together. There's a lot of stories that are worked that way in history. There's a reason that uh, George R. R. Martin wrote that kind of way because it happens like that quite a bit. Our first plan is to go through the Balti dynasty of the Visigoths, which are our class of barbarians. And then we are going to go after them, the kingdom of Odoser, who uh, decided that uh, Rome, the, at least the western part of Rome, was really a formality and, and we didn't need that anymore. And then we will uh, follow by the Ostrogothic kingdom. So do you know anything about those kingdoms? Well, they have the word goth in them, Visigoths. They, I at least know the name. It's been covered at one point in some time of classes somewhere of probably high school caliber that I could not tell you otherwise. I did not take a whole lot of European history. Yeah, the Goths are like they're one of the more famous ones. They 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 take part in a very famous event that even some non-historian history buffs know about. What I knew before coming in is like I didn't know too much even when I before I started researching. Like I knew that the Visigoths eventually took over Spain, but I didn't know how they got from over in Asia all the way over there. So well, the exciting part is, um, you know, we're going to talk about what we're really going to do, what the meat and potatoes of each episode. So we're going to go through the life and times of the character uh, for the week in our biography section. And then after that, we're going to rank them on one to 10 based on five categories. Our score is then going to be rounded up for a maximum of 20 points each. So like you will give a points up to 10 and I will give a points up to 10. And then between that, that's how we will rate them. And so the five categories are strategy, power, and influence. It, what I think of this is in the real, in the game of Thrones, you either win or you die. I mean, Scott, you really should watch seasons one through four. So we can at least have some things to know what you're talking, what, what I'm talking about over here. 
Um, I think the section of the rating is like this part is like, how well did they play in the real Game of Thrones? Were they the puppet master or were they the, you know, the, the master sitting behind the throne? I think Metallica could relate. <laughs> yes, yes, they probably could. So th that's the first category. Our second category is Royal Antics. This is a favorite of mine. So this is what the, are the shenanigans they get up to, where they raiding their own countryside uh did they happen to kidnap a nun from a nunnery and marry her i yes that has happened kind of tyrannical behavior uh just sheer destruction some of them just love to go pillaging and uh especially our early ones they really enjoy their uh just destroying entire towns. It's funny because we have totally different frames of reference because when you think of this, you're like, yeah, Game of Thrones. And I'm like, I remember when Patrick Starr was king. <laughs> oh, that's, this is great how both of our different views are gonna come together in this. All right, so our third um, category is religious fervor. Religion is the center of medieval society of the early um, Middle Ages, all the way even in the um, modern day. There's a lot of reasons, even though that we have a more secular society, a lot of the issues we're dealing with are because of the religion that was around in this time. So we need to like think of how zealous were they in, in spreading their faith? Did they like persecute others or that didn't have the same faith as them? Did they build huge basilicas that, you know, really granted their faith? Did they promote the church or did they take like church lands away from the church? Pretty, pretty cut and dry. You got a big, do you have a big monument? Good chance. <laughs> They're going to get some good big cross some good points. <laughs> yes. Them good boy points. Good them good boy points for God. And then uh so our fourth category is dynasty. So this is did they like elevate their family to like new heights or did they just take their family name and throw it down the drain? You know, did they make an impact on history? Do they still have an influence today? Do we have like some things in like even pop culture, like let them eat cake? Um, is, is there something like that they have left behind? Or can we see like the scarring from something they did? Uh, like if they burnt down something, are there like the burn marks still today? That'd be impressive. Um, do, do you think of anything when it comes to Dynasty on top of that? Gosh, I really can't think of much. A lot of it comes down to a lot of things that we do every day and we don't even realize that we do it that way because of that or given saying that from people forever ago. What was it? Like a few like a few weeks ago, you didn't or and I I forgot the origin, but I remember telling you about the the, the old saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions or something along those lines and that's a saying that's been around forever and supposedly quoted by or at least attributed to like saint bernard i believe so there's a lot of stuff that we say and or do uh that carry that carry on and we're completely unaware of so but that that's kind of a lot of it because as americans we're a lot of our culture being influenced by Western Europe, a lot of carryover. Yes, definitely. So um, in our fifth category is, uh, this will be uh, for any of those Dungeons and Dragons fans out there, is character alignment. Scott and I are huge into Dungeons and Dragons. Scott is a master at being, ironically, the dungeon master. And he is so much fun to play with. He got me sucked into this. I thought it was some dumb nerd thing to do, but instead he got me sucked in. Now it's something I have to do every other week for sure. Well, it is a dumb nerd thing to do. So, but, but so, but so is creating a podcast about European politics. So yes. there is, there, there's always a dumb nerd thing to do. And I, I appreciate that you bring in, uh, among the nerd community, or at least the Dungeons and Dragons community, some of the more hotly contested ideologies of the game of whether or not alignment should be used and how it should be used. 
we're going to try and do it justice. We'll do our best to try and keep it in good faith as as Gygax intended. <laughs> yeah, I don't know not much about character alignment. I just needed, honestly, a, a, a fifth category to talk about. But uh, some people probably are completely lost. Scott, can you kind of explain what character alignment is? Sure. So to describe your character in Dungeons and Dragons, you mash up two words from two different categories. So the two categories that describe your character are how good is your character and also how lawful is your character. So in the good category, it is, are, is your character good? Are they neutral or are they evil? Pretty straightforward. The next category about the lawfulness is a little murkier, but fairly straightforward. And that is, is your character lawful? Are they neutral or are they chaotic? So if they're lawful, they tend to do things within the confines of the law. And even if their morals or may, well, may, if their morals or their beliefs are against the law, they're going to do their best to either change or work within the law to meet that end. Whereas someone who's chaotic is going to have little regard for the law when it comes down to the wire. So simply, you just take one word from each of those categories and you mash them together. So you can be, law you can be a lawful evil character. So you'll do evil things, but you're within the confines of the law, the politicians of the group, if you will. Next, uh, you could also have a chaotic good character person who does the right thing no matter the cost, even within outside the confines of the law. You could maybe think of uh, Robin Hood as being kind of a chaotic good character, someone who breaks the law to do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, uh, I'm pretty sure like I will get a lot of uh, uh, corrections on what I think of like lawful neutral versus chaotic good or something like that. Uh, I'm again, I'm very still new into the character alignment world and D&D alignment world. Well, the good news is, is that there are no wrong answers except for the, the DM. The DM is always right. All players shake their head. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the DM is always right, but with with uh, there is no DM here, so we're we're always going to be wrong. Is and if there are any listeners, and if there ever comes a day where we're able to have this some some form of discussion, or if people just angrily post about us on Reddit, they can correct us all day long there and be held in the public court. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be a lot like the medieval courts of, uh, well, how, no, how this is uh, too democratic. effective they are. <laughs> oh, effectiveness, yeah, probably. God forbid we get strung up for having an opinion. This is future Michael here. We will get into the exact point values for alignment next episode. Now, with the setup out of the way, we're going to begin our main quest discovering the backstory of the Visigothic Kingdom. So, sometimes this in this podcast, we're going to discuss sources. And this is not to show that I somewhat have some sort of backing about what I'm talking about. Um, but also, some of these historians are just massive characters themselves. Their commentary can be quite entertaining to dissect. Uh, so... Our main source for the Visigoths is a book named Getica, uh, The Origin and Deeds of the Goths, which was written in 551 CE by a historian named Jordanes. All we really know about Jordanes is that for sure he was a historian and that he claimed in his book that he was of Gothic descent. Inspires a lot of confidence. <laughs> So he wrote this in 551, and he is covering sources of, of what year? In the 300s, like we're so, in the later 300s. So very, I, 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 I guess I do understand the importance of 
writing down the spoken word of your ancestors. However, or he's just really old. The man didn't live to be 200, <laughs> did he? Or 200, did he? Unless he did medieval witchcraft, I do not think he did. Um, actually, this is great because in the in the preface, like in the beginning, he says that he wrote this book as a summary to 12 volumes of the history of the Goths by a man named Cassiodorus, who wrote it for his brother, Castellius. Uh, what I mean by that is Jordanes wrote it for his brother, and uh, so that's what we that's why he wrote it. Otherwise, we would not have any of this information because of 12 volumes are gone. So we, who knows where they went? They're just gone to history. We uh, we also know about him is that he was a fervent Nicene Christian. Uh, this was like the central church of the time. You could think of this as like the Catholic church of the time. This is what was set up by Constantine who for um, Roman nerds, he was the one who really brought Christianity like to the forefront in the empire. And you're going to see how fervent he is when he talks about certain people who are of different faiths than his own. He needs his own faithfulness uh, ranking. He, yeah, his, he his religious fervor, his religious fervor ranking. I was getting the right, the right <laughs> ranking. You can tell how how much I know about our podcast. I get all the names right. Know it so well. I will also be using this book from the Smithsonian that's called The History of the World Map by Map. It, I know it sounds super nerdy, but it really helps me understand the grand movements throughout history. If you're a map nerd, I would highly recommend it. Oh, map by map, as in you are going one map at a time for a minute it sounded almost like the author was named map. <laughs> no. I was for a split second, very confused. So yes, <laughs> yes, I am map. Yes, it is. Well, it does, I mean, map by map, cause it literally goes through history again, map by map. Uh, but so we're going to begin today's quest uh, during a period called the great migration. Overall, the sum of this bar this period is that there's tons of these different barbarian tribes are being pushed over into Roman-held territory by the Huns. Have you heard of the Huns? Yeah, I hear that we need to get down to business to, to defeat them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's this one little Hun named Attila who we'll learn about later. Uh, but... What's going on is that the Huns are invading their lands and then therefore they are fleeing the lands because the Huns are just destroying everything in their path. And they are forcing them over into Roman territory, which is then causing conflict with the Romans. And I hear the Romans are people you always want to get into a conflict with. Oh, yes, yes. There is constant fighting at the border. I, I was listening to a history call, uh, podcast called Totalis Rankium Roman Emperors, and there is always someone fighting in the Danube region or at, over in Britain or over in Gaul. There's just constant fighting at, at their uh, border ends. I've only listened so, to episode one, but uh, their one joke about... Uh, superbus is re is really up my alley as far as as far as humor goes not really my cup of tea of podcast but they call calling superbus superbus really really tickles my my sense of humor oh you gotta continue listening i'm, to I'm giggling about it like i i've been <laughs> it's been at the forefront of my mind for a good chunk of this of this podcast so it's it, it's it really has been just my that's where my brain is at today you will love an emperor they use called Pupianus, who nice. uh, that that's, is his name. So I that's how you pronounce again, it. That oh, is like, actually how you correctly Pupanus. pronounce it, Pupianus. Boy, it's a it's a real shame that the English language wasn't around at that time because we really could have well torn him a new Pupianus. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So, useless fact of the day. The word barbarian comes from Greece, meaning not Greek. And Romans, who love stealing ideas, especially from the Greeks, took this idea and adopted it as their own. And then they just said barbarian means not Roman. Uh, so... Just so you know, when we bring up the word barbarians, we're bringing up a ton of these tiny little tribes. They each got their own different quirks, their own different leaders. And it's the Romans really call them a whole group of barbarians. They think they're like one group of some of the historians, but they're really not. And unfortunately, we also, like many historians, will also use it because it's just easier than getting everyone all confused about the different names. But the Goths, this a bigger group out of this, and therefore the Visigoths, who are a splint section of the Goths, are part of this grouping of people. You can see with the Gothic people already that kind of mess that is going on over on the frontier. Well, you know me. I, I like it when things are easy, but also... It, barbarian is fun because it, it provides a lot of context to the old... Uh, I think that barbarian, apart from just Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy, does get used to some, to some level. Like, oh, they are barbaric, things like that. Ooh, they are yes. barbaric. So yes, uh, hopefully they'll they'll prove their metal and that they can they can rage. We are gonna rage. learn. We are going to learn why that is still a saying today. Uh, so as of the year 376, there are thousands of Goths that have already migrated into Roman Dacia and Moesia, which is like north of Greece, if you're picturing a map. And they are fleeing, again, as we're talking about, from the invading Huns. So as you can imagine, the Romans were not thrilled at this massive influx of people encroaching on their land. And just several skirmishes and, and little conflicts started erupting all over the border constantly. Eventually, the Visigoths grew very desperate and they made a deal with the current Eastern Roman Emperor Valens that if he gave them part of Thrace or Moesia, they would submit to his laws and even convert to his religion, which was uh, Aryan Christianity. Now, this is not Hitler's Aryan. <laughs> big, big, big disclaimer there, because <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's something that I bet a lot of people, and probably myself included, that's some of the first things you think about. So let's let let's stick that out there, so that way we don't just get taken off the face of the internet on the first on the first episode. <laughs> Yeah, so Arians is spelled A-R-I-A-N-S, not the other way around. I We really, again, this is part of where we just don't have time to go through all the whole formation of the Arian faith. But from the what I've gathered, the summary of it, the core block difference is the Arian faith is that they believe that Jesus is subservient to God the Father, and then this Holy Spirit is subservient to Jesus. Whereas Nicene Christianity and then the later Catholic Christianity believes they're all into one called the Holy Trinity. Many people will probably recognize that. But there was a, a sect of the Christianity before that that believed there was something different. And this caused a whole host of issues. Yeah, we, uh, it, gosh, that, that's so far removed from our times. People arguing over religious differences it's something it's so far i'm sure i'm sure everyone listening to this is just dumbfounded that people would ever argue over something like that yeah yeah it's not like it's happening all over the place right now our <laughs> this this even seeps into our sources our, our our lovely friend jordanes is not a fan of emperor valens and this is because of his faith he has stated Valens infected the air, the Goths with Aryan treachery, and he blames them for, and he blames Valens for making the Visigoths Aryans rather than what he called Christians. Real subtle. Yeah, and and, and I bring this up because 
Arianism is seen as heresy during this time. And this becomes a huge offense. You get burnt at the stake for, you know, being a heretic. In fact, there are several councils where they, they set up new rules and then to solidify everything, they burn a random heretic at the stake to, to, to really come together. A nice roll of the dice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the reason I bring this up also is because the main religion of the Visigothic rulers for some time to come is going to be Arian. So this is really going to just keep coming over and over and we're going to have to deal with that. Alrighty, so with that religious tangent over with, we are going to talk back again about Valens and his time with the Barbarians. So soon after he settled them into Moesia, famine started sweeping across the lands. And as, as Jordan's quote, but as often happens to a people not well settled in a country. So, you know, like when you're moving a grand total of people, they haven't been able to, you know, put down real good crops yet. They don't know the land yet. There's not a really good system and there's just a ton of food shortages. And it got so desperate that these proud Goths realized that they had to ask help from the Romans. A nice deal with the uh, the devil, the proverbial devil, if you will. Yeah, yeah. You can probably guess what the Roman generals had to say. Uh, like a, well, yeah, for a price. <laughs> yeah, they basically said, yes, yes, like a good villain. We will help out, but but for a price. And uh, the price was very high. They really put the screws to this Goths. And it got real bad. And this is going to really create some serious animosity between these groups. Jordan's claimed it got so bad that, quote, when their children and chattels failed, the greedy trader demanded their sons in return for the necessities of life. And the parents consented even to this in order to provide for the safety of their children, arguing that it was better to lose liberty than life. So, well, I, uh, you know, that's that's a big philosophical point, but at least under my opinion, you can't use your your, your liberty very well if you're dead. So, uh, I say I'll give my moral judgment points to the uh, to to these folks here, to the Goths. So as you can imagine, tensions are starting to really get high and the relations are starting to fracture. And uh, so with all of this tension, uh, a Roman general named Lupicinius, um, he invited one of the Gothic generals named Fredegern, who was kind of like the chieftain of the Goths. He was one of the first chieftains in a long time of the Goths to really come together. Like they were always splintered. Well, this time they kind of align themselves under him. And Fredegern, seeing this as a gesture of goodwill, accepted. And he came to the feast with a few of his friends. Well, a few, a few friends. That's, uh, I mean, I know, I know you bring friends to, you know, you got to bring a plus one, right? Or a plus 10, however many friends. But this uh, this has red wedding vibes. I don't know what that means, but I know it means bad things. <laughs> <laughs> so he was just going to enjoy his time at this feast. What do you think the conversation was? What would the Romans and the barbarians like have in common, especially with these high tensions of, of like the between the leaders? Are they like probably discussing terms? Like what what would they even have in common? How about that weather? The <laughs> <Yeah>. bears. <laughs> Gotta talk Whilst... sports. <laughs> yes, because there's so much sports in this time. Well, I guess there is that the gladiator Colise pits. Yeah, that Coliseum, am I right? Was the, the Coliseum was built at that time, I'm assuming. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. It was actually starting to, de uh, to decline because of the Christianity was taking over the empire apparently uh, apparently a good old uh coliseum is just not in the uh the, the the christian faith i guess 
Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're talking about chariot racing. You know, that's that's always a yeah. good pastime. I well, considering that what they were nomadic tribe, right? Were they nomadic? <laughs> yeah, uh, at times they were. So... But they settled down. They were farmers at okay. the bare base of it. They were farmers for the longest time. They had to pick up and move because their homes were being taken over. Yeah, I'll. So they probably don't have sports. You just twiddle your thumbs until until the until the food comes comes by. Yeah, yeah. This is probably where like the great tellings were told around fires and stuff like that, but a lot of it was working and they were fighting amongst each other over land so to get, you know, more food. So so while he was delicious enjoying his delicious feast, probably enjoying like a good steak. Fredegern began hearing a sound and uh, it turns out that his men who were kind of up in another part of the house were kind of screaming their last breath as a different Roman general ordered them to be slain. So uh, our source says this grand scene, I'm sure it is totally false, but it's a fun visual. At once, Fredegern drew his sword and dashed to where his men were being slain. He rescued them from their doom and then incited them to kill the treacherous Romans. He then goes to say that the two armies clashed outside the feasting hall. So there was clearly something else going on. Maybe there was some fighting going on. Um, it, it, and already there was like a dispute or something and then he they went oh try and calm down your troops and the the point is fredegern did not calm down his troops well you know you ruin a perfectly good dinner but it does make a good excuse to burn off those calories because i'm sure they needed it like we do as i <laughs> sit here in a chair after eating nothing today except for the, the highest content fat mac and cheese possible so i laugh yeah. i laugh as i sit in my chair <laughs> so the the two armies clashed outside this feasting hall you know swords clashing uh just sounds of war and chaos all over and uh who do you think won this battle in war, there are no winners. But, <laughs> um, well, I guess uh, you know it have to be the Goths, right? Because the the this this uh, Fredegern guy sounds sounds like the good guy, and if he sounds like the good guy, it's probably because he came out alive. <laughs> well, that and also the source is, I guess, biased, but. It's biased probably because because he got out, okay. Yeah, you are correct. The Goths soundly defeated the Romans and uh and Lup Lupsinius and all of his men were slain. It was a pretty solid defeat. An entire army or two was wiped out. So, as you can imagine, this sparked an all-out war between the Roman and the Goths. The Goths went on full barbarian mode. They activated rage and they began pillaging the countryside and they just caused mass devastation everywhere you went. You're going to notice a theme of this in the episodes rage. to come. Rage. So Valens, the, the emperor, back, back to the emperor at the time, he knew he had to do something about it. Uh, so he began sending out scouts to find these rebels and he found them in a settlement around adrianople and uh they they found out that the goths were hiding up on a hit they were not hiding they were in, they were encircled on a hill they encircled their wagons and protected their families and then their goods they were literally fighting for their families versus the romans were not quite doing that Pretty impressive impromptu fortress, I, I, I do have to say. Well, what happened is, is that Valens was supposed to wait for his uh, co-emperor over in the West, Gratian, his nephew, 
to come and help him fight these people, but for some reason he decided, nah, I, I just need to clear this up. I don't need to wait for reinforcements. Needs all that experience for himself. They're just goths. So, on August 9th, 378, we know the exact date, the Romans marched to meet these goths. They kept going all day, and then when they finally met them, <laughs> the Goths were doing what they do best. They set the countryside ablaze because they knew the Romans were coming, and they smoked them out. The Romans were tired, they're dehydrated, and they just really are not in the best physical fighting condition right now. And also, keep in mind, there's entire, you know, burning fields in front of them boy you know what is it with uh if it sounds like they're on their home turf it sounds like they could have been better supplied <laughs> yeah it really does the goths so the goths sent out envoys to 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 be all chivalrous here to to balance claiming that they wanted to negotiate for peace we we did not mean to really destroy all of those towns and and those people. We are, we are so sorry. Um, don't don't look at Jeremy over there who we just enslaved. Don't, don't leave leave him alone. Uh, but really, what they were doing is they were setting time for a trap for the unsuspecting Romans. Uh, they were they were trying to get this all set up. Well, the negotiations were short. Valens lost control of his angry, tired, and thirsty troops who just went and charged at the Goths unbidden. We think that some of the generals just unpromptedly sent them into battle. It's, it's rough when, when, the, uh, when you can't control your soldiers. Yeah, I mean, they're tired. It was just, it was not a good situation. And some of these soldiers are actually goths or, or barbarians of other tribes themselves and they're protecting their families because at this time what's going on is it's not clear-cut like romans versus barbarians in this time there's a lot of quote-unquote barbarians in the roman army so it's not just all italians <laughs> yeah that is true and one thing that i frequently forget and then remember things as i say them because if because of course i speak before i think so but point being is that a lot of armies back in the day weren't necessarily the volunteer fighting force that we take for granted today a lot of the time i know that a lot of people are more conscripted let's yeah say. or forced to for a better life it's a lot sometimes easier becoming a, a, a roman legionnaire than it would be to farm that is true too that a lot of the fighters could be much more under duress yeah so um uh, the roman historian amanius marcellianus i'm probably pronouncing that horrifically uh describes the battle and he really brings you to the scene quote the opposing lines came into collision like ships of war and pushed each other to and fro heaving under the reciprocal motion like waves of the sea dust clouds rose high in the sky which rang with frightful shouts it was impossible to see the enemy's missiles in flight and dodge them all found their mark and dealt death on every side so this is just just chaos. It's just like you're fighting in fog and oh by the way there's these invisible arrows coming in and and trying, you know, hitting you and I'm I'm guessing there's also probably some that are, you know, friendly fire. I can't imagine they're all incredibly accurate when they can't see what they're shooting at. Yeah. No, there's a it's it's it sounds like a crapshoot. It really is truly like a roll. It sounds like a roll of the dice in a lot of ways. So, it, yes. hindsight being twenty twenty, it sounds like it could have gone either way potentially. But yes, yes. Well, it seems like the Goss roll of the dice rolled a nat twenty, and in in a crucial moment, they activated their trap card. 
get that? These are these are nerd references. These are nerd <laughs> references, listeners. This is Dungeons and Dragons and actually Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> Something that a game that neither of us played. Oh, but it's come on, it's it's in it's in our well maybe in in a, in our nerdy group of friends. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's part of the culture. You just you you take it all in one bundle. So a hidden Gothic cavalry unit descended from the mountain like a thunderbolt and tore through the Roman ranks and just devastated the Romans. Eventually, a moonless night settled over the battlefield and ended one of the costliest battles in Roman history. It is, I cannot state it enough how devastating this battle was. It wiped out a lot of Romans fighting force. Wow. It's kind of it's kind of funny because all you had to do was just treat people right at a dinner and things could have gone a lot better. So I think there's a moral to be learned here. It's probably don't cheap out on dinner. I think that's the moral here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your get your guests a nice steak. Yeah, and without the daggers. Yeah, and, and don't don't bring daggers. Knives are good because you need to cut the steak. But swords, just just leave them at the door. They're they're kind of unnecessary. Well, the Gothic raiders annihilated Valen's proud Roman army. Some accounts go as high as forty thousand men, uh, Romans killed. Now sources in mid in th- these times are often inflated numbers but it is very clear from everyone that talked about this as it was very bad and in ensuing chaos roman valens was killed along with some of rome's best generals wow Uh, taking no prisoners how do you how do you think he died there is one story that he was he took refuge in the house and the barbarians did not know about it and they set the house on fire killing him on the inside as he was injured wow the emperor well i may maybe again it's it's you know different time different place it just sounds really kind of crazy that someone so important could just show up but i think that's that that just must be the order of the day that you know, you you wouldn't send the you wouldn't send the president of the United States uh, out to our battlefields, so it's it really is a different time. You're gonna find that a lot of times in medieval history, the the kings, especially early on, are the ones on the battlefield, and Rome really had a lot of this in their ethos. But not all emperors did this, as our upcoming Roman emperors in the story, they're pretty weak and they do not fight. So maybe, maybe they have the right idea. Well, they, they learned their, they learned the lesson of their, their predecessor. Like, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's because they don't have the gumption. So yeah, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yes, we will. So Jordanes, who you know is such a fan of Valens, had to add salt to the wounds. Quote, plainly, it was direct judgment of God that he should be burned with fire by the very men whom he had led astray when they sought the true faith, turning them aside from the flame of love and into the fire of hell. Subtle. (laughs) <laughs> very very subtle this is what i mean this is you can't make that stuff up it is well, it is truly fun to read about <laughs> he made it up <laughs> uh, yeah this, this is possibly true well eventually in the year 383 after years of negotiation destruction bloodshed on both sides the goths and the romans finally declared a ceasefire and signed a treaty ending the conflict. What do you think the terms were? Were they more favorable to the Romans? Were they more favorable to the Goths? Well, considering that the Goths still need the land and that it's not profitable to fight forever as much as I'm sure that they love to rage, um, 
it probably, I mean, to say it favors them is, I think, a, a given in the statement. But being almost, you're you're still almost subservient to Rome, even if you, even if you win. So, sounds like a lose lose to me. Yeah. Well, the terms were surprisingly pro Gothic. In return for military service to Rome, the Goths were allowed to settle in some tracts of land south of the Danube River, so they were more protected against the Huns. And on top of this, they were allowed to remain autonomous under their own leaders. They did not have to submit under the yoke of the Roman Empire in terms of their laws and customs and all of the taxes and stuff that go along with it. The Goths now settled within the empire would largely fight for the Romans as like a national contingent, almost as an auxiliary force, in instead of being fully integrated with the Roman legions. They were not good enough, you know, for the Roman legions to be integrated with them, at least in the Roman legions' eyes, and therefore they fought in their own groups. Definitely a great way to build camaraderie with those Romans. We're going to have you be separate from the Romans. And I, I know the Goths are probably happy about that. And I would be too, because hindsight being 2020, I hear, I hear Rome as an empire is not doing so hot these days. So at least the, the, the both sides are, but the Western end is really, really struggling these days. Yeah. So I think it's good for them, but also, you, you know, this this is, sounds like a a way to just have another a group of people that's uh, not clearly not Roman barbarians, if you will. It's only it's a division, and that clear clearly this is going to be a, a walk in the park. <laughs> Yes, and uh, not and to, to really end on like an ominous note, these terms will come to haunt the Romans. There's a dark clouds on the horizon, and that is all I have for this week. Wow. All right. So passing it back to me, looks like that is it for our inaugural episode. But before we go, we need to thank the Spanish Arpada. Roman emperors Totalis Rancium and the Rex Factor for inspiring this massive project. We are standing on the shoulders of giants, so thank you and thank you again. Also, very, 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 very special thank you to the Spanish Arpada for giving us some pointers when we first thought of this experiment. We really couldn't do this without your help. Finally, all to you lovely listeners who managed to survive till the end of episode one or zero. Thank you for listening. And we are planning on releasing two episodes to begin with. So after listening to this episode, we encourage you to continue listening with us and explore this historical journey together. We are planning on releasing two episodes to begin with. So after listening to this, we encourage you to listen to the next episode on Alaric the First. And with that, I guess we will sign off with long live the Barbarian King. <laughs>